welcome to Long Hill Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're in the car, on the couch, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Hi friends, Pastor Michael here. So glad you've joined us for Long Hill Chapel Church Online as we continue in our series today called A New Way to Be. Now, one of the things I love more than just about anything else in life is ice cream. Uh, To this day, I love ice cream. This last week, I got a new ice cream maker. And on two consecutive days, we made ice cream. And I would love to say uh, that I didn't partake in as much of it as I did, but I certainly enjoyed a lot of ice cream. Growing up, I remember as a kid going to the ice cream parlor that we had on the edge of the town that I grew up in. And they had soft serve ice cream. And really, soft serve ice cream comes in two flavors, vanilla and chocolate. And if you really get crazy, you can mix them together and get a twist, and that's what I would often do. But that's how I understood ice cream for so long, until there was this one time where we went to the mall, and my parents let me go to Baskin-Robbins. I don't know if you remember Baskin-Robbins, but it advertised that there were 31 flavors of ice cream, and suddenly my horizon was completely expanded. Because before, I'd always understood that it was either A or B, vanilla or chocolate. If you really wanted to get fancy, you could mix them together, but there were really two choices. There was the choice on the left and the choice on the right. But then when my world was expanded, I realized that there were many, many other options and that there was another way. And this is a light way to begin what is really a challenging thing to talk about, especially as we've watched the news the past few weeks uh, in our country and even in our world. And when you read all the headlines, school shootings, the shooting at a supermarket, the war that continues to go on uh, over in Ukraine, and so many other things, big and small, uh, we have the tendency to look at these and just really say, you know, there's something not working here. There's something that, that it seems like it's broken. And so many of the difficult things that we face in life and we see in our world, we're kind of presented with those two solutions. There's A or there's B. But when we explore A and we explore B, we see it just seems like neither of those are really going to be the thing that makes a difference. You know, there's the people in the Republican Party and the Democratic Party and the right and the left. More laws, different laws, less laws, more guns, different guns. We should stand up. We should sit down. And it just seems like this binary does not work. And so we desperately need something different. We need another option. We need another way. We need a new way to be. And as Christians and as religious people, it is so tempting to confine Jesus to the spiritual dimension of our lives, to just assume that what Jesus has to say and what he came to do really has to do with our spiritual state, what we do in church and what we do in that spiritual part of our lives. It's the stuff we do in here, but it doesn't affect much out there. But as we've been discovering these past few weeks in our journey through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus coming out speech where he laid out the things that were important in this new way, in this kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, Uh, we find that it's not really an option that we're given to allow this to just be a spiritual thing that applies only to the spiritual areas 
of our lives. We've been talking about the kingdom of God, and it's not just the spiritual part or the social part or the political part or even the physical part, but it's literally understanding that this kingdom of God, this way of Jesus, is foundational to our understanding of everything else. And so today we're going to pick up kind of where we left off last week, where Jesus has been saying these pairs of statements. He's been saying, you've heard it said, and when he would say that, he would refer to the Old Testament law or the the popular Jewish cultural understanding of what was right and what was true and what was acceptable and what was needed. But then he offered a kingdom alternative by saying, but I say to you. And so for the past couple weeks, we've been in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, and we we finished that out today in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 45. And so Jesus begins, he says, you've heard it said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard it said that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And like we said, this has been speaking to Jewish law and tradition. And so all of the things where Jesus is saying, you've heard it said, that to the people who are listening, that was what represented what was just and what was right. But in this particular section of this passage, there's a very difficult twist because the word enemy, it's abstract to us, but to the ancient Jewish people, they would have immediately read the word enemy as the Roman Empire because the Romans were this occupying force. They were a a, a military and uh, empire that had come in and had taken over the Jewish lands, and soldiers walked the streets of Jewish towns. And and so it was this affront to the culture and the, the heritage of the Jewish people at every level. And more than that, everyone knew someone who had been killed. They had been imprisoned or they'd been tortured by the Romans friends and families and neighbors. They oppressively taxed the people. Nobody liked them. They were rightfully hated. And so when Jesus says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, that's how you've heard it. Everybody was on board with that because they could track with it. But then he says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And for us, in some ways, there's some people maybe we don't like or there's this this abstract group of people who we see as opposed to us. But for the ancient people, persecution and their enemies, it was something that was right in front of them. You know, I've watched, and maybe you've watched, the coverage of the war in Ukraine these past few months. You know, and maybe it's because we can see things in near real time, and there's video that, that happens in near real time, maybe because it's in Europe, so it seems a little bit closer. But this one seems a little different. It seems close. We can, in a way, picture ourselves in it to an uncomfortable degree. And it stirs up outrage against the invaders because we see the suffering. We see the loss. We see this occupying force inflicting incredible harm. And that's the closest thing to Jesus and his audience and how they would have seen and understood the word love your enemy. It was like that for Jesus' audience. This is is incredibly hard. It bumps up against something that we all want to see in the world for those we care about. 
for those who are powerless, who don't have a voice, and as justice. You know, and I think one of the main reasons these verses, they seem so disconnected from reality. It seems like Jesus is just floating around on this idyllic cloud somewhere. It's because we know our world. We're aware of the brokenness and the difficulty. We've seen, as I said, a bunch of children in the past two weeks shot in a school. A bunch of largely elderly African-American men and women who were shot while they were shopping for groceries by a man who traveled 200 miles just to do it. And that's not even all the shootings. We've seen war. We've seen a country invaded and destroyed by an aggressor. Thousands of lives lost. Untold violence that will be felt for generation to satisfy the ego of one leader. And so on and so on and on it goes. And when we hear all these things, and we recount these very heavy, sobering, tragic stories, we want to see justice. We want to see something made right that is wrong. We want to see it stop. We want the injustice to be righted. We want the debt to be paid. And we want the perpetrators to be held to account. You know, if you've ever watched like court TV or any of those, those court shows or some of the channels like that, or you've, you've been to a courthouse, you know that one of the things you see is, is you see a picture very much like the picture that will be on the screen in just a moment. It's a picture of a blindfolded woman with a sword holding a balance scale. And that woman represents justice. And justice is when things like that scale are in balance, And we experience injustice when it feels like for us or for people or for the world or for another group of people that things are out of balance, that something has been taken from me or it's been taken from them, or there's someone who has more weight, they have more power, they can exert more force, they're getting more preference, they have more resources uh, so they can get preferential and special treatment. And we feel injustice when all of those things happen with morality, with laws, with economics, with what's right and what's wrong. This becomes profoundly personal for all of us too. Because when I struggle to forgive, it's because I feel like something has been taken from me that belonged to me. The scale has been knocked out of balance and I need to do something to get it back into balance. And whenever we encounter those feelings or those people or those circumstances, we have this deep sense that that should be made right, that those people should, they should pay. They should give something back. They should pay the price for what they did. But what happens throughout history, it happens throughout our lives, and it even happens in our world, is the balance just keeps getting shifted back and forth. And this calls to attention the passage that Jesus begins with in this section of the Sermon on the Mount. He begins with a phrase that was somewhat familiar, but it's just kind of an odd phrase. He begins by saying, you've heard it said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. This was an ancient code. This was an ancient legal principle called the lex talionis. And it was this principle that was designed, actually, even though it seems really pretty it was pretty raw and rough on the surface. It was designed to limit retaliation. There was an ancient Babylonian king named Hammurabi, who maybe you heard about in your, your high school history class. But he was one of the ones who wrote one of the first collections of laws. And we see the same principle reflected in the Old Testament in at least three different places, in Exodus and Leviticus 
in Deuteronomy. And really what it's all about is that punishment, justice, it must be proportionate. It must be limited. Here's what it looks like in Leviticus 24 and verse 17. It says, anyone who takes the life of a human being is to be put to death. Anyone who takes the life of someone's animal must make restitution life for life. Anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. There it is. The one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury. And again, as I said, this seems kind of raw and on the surface, but it also seems just about, it seems fair. It seems right. It seems in balance. And the reason these laws were put into place at this time is because up until that time, there had been, like we still see at times in our own world, these tribal and ethnic and family and religious feuds where somebody did something and then the other side retaliated and then the other side retaliated. It just goes on and on and on and on and it never stops. And sometimes it goes all the way across generations, all through the years. We've heard stories about that in our own world. And so this law was designed to limit that. It was designed to put that to a stop so that the cycle of violence would not perpetuate and it would be broken. So it was designed to create justice where there was injustice. If a wrong had been done, if something had been taken, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, justice was extracting that punishment on the other side to right the balance. You take my eye and the law takes yours. But here's a key point, and this is so important for us to understand. In the Old Testament, when we see this written about in, in those three Old Testament books in Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, it was always a conversation about judges and courts. It was really the legal and the ruling system of the Old Testament. Because we read this and we say, yeah, that's how it should be. You know, if you take something from me, uh, the balance needs to be righted and I should get something from you in return. But here's the problem. This is a great principle for judges and courts. This is fair. This is just. This is what we want our legal system to do at its best. But when it comes to your relationships, when it comes to your personal interactions with other people, this is a terrible way to live. Why? Because if we're trying for justice in our personal relationships with people, the cycle never ends. There's never a moment where the line is drawn and everything is automatically Righted. How many times have you, uh, you've, maybe this is your family, but you've, maybe you've met somebody who they're in a family situation where there's certain people who just don't talk to each other anymore. And it's because of something that happened way back in the past, but it's still ongoing. And sometimes it spills across the generations. It spills into the lives of those people's children. And then it spills into their lives and their children's lives. And at some point, nobody can even remember what the original thing was. Because in personal relationships, nothing is linear. There's never a line that gets drawn where everybody says, okay, it's enough. It's settled. The only way the pattern stops is if somebody chooses to overlook the offense. And I think in this passage, as Jesus is teaching, and he said, you've heard it said, not only in the law, but this is how you all live your lives. But I say to you something different, that there's something that we can hold on to that actually takes us beyond justice. You know, if you've heard this passage taught, very often it's taught as do not retaliate. Do not, you know, just take it. 
If someone, you know, smacks you on the cheek, just take it, give them the other cheek. When we say turn the other cheek, it's almost this, this like, it's this passive thing we do to not retaliate. And it's honestly vague and very unsatisfying. And most of us, when we hear this, you know, we're in church and we nod and we say, yeah, that's what the Bible says. But in the back of our minds, we say, yeah, that won't work. That's not going to work in the world because we want something to happen. We want to do something. We don't want to give in. We want to see the balance righted. This very natural thing. We want to see justice. But Jesus gives us something different to do. Remember what I said. This isn't about the legal system or the system of law that was being written about in the Old Testament. Jesus gives very specific examples that are from everyday life for his hearers. He doesn't give legal examples. He doesn't talk about just war theory or geopolitics. He talks about the things that that people would have experienced on a daily basis in their lives. And so he gives these examples from everyday life, and I really believe that's on purpose. When it comes to us and our relationships with the people around us, and that's the people we like and the people we don't, Jesus gives us something greater. He calls us to a higher standard. It's not a passive thing. It's not when we just say, okay, I'm going to roll over and you can walk all over me. It's not passive at all. It's active. He doesn't call us to give in. He doesn't call us to be weak or to be pushovers. He actually calls us to something that takes incredible strength when it comes to us and other people and our relationships with them. Jesus invites us to replace our desire for justice or our tendency to just give in and not rock the boat and just let it happen. He invites us to replace those things with a third way. Just like the ice cream, it's not vanilla or chocolate. There's something else here. A third way, a better way, the way of Jesus, a new way to be. Let me illustrate for you. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 39, this is where it says, you know, if someone slaps you, If you were to slap him back, that's justice. You've gotten your eye for an eye or tooth for tooth. There's been an even exchange and justice has been served. If you do nothing, that's giving in. But when you offer the other cheek, you're making a decision to do something that's a third way. Verse 40, you know, if someone says, I want want your shirt, Fighting to keep it is justice. Letting them have it is giving them in. But offering them more than that, offering them your coat, it's a third way. Matthew 5, 41, refusing to carry this occupying soldier's gear. You know, that seems like justice. And that's what he's talking about, by the way. There's a Roman soldier would come along and he'd say, you know, you are required to carry my equipment for a mile. This was actually written into the Roman law. And so that was the requirement. If you were conscripted to carry a soldier's equipment, the law was that you had to carry it for a mile. But in, 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 in our understanding here, giving in and walking the mile, that would have been one way. Refusing to do it would have been another way. But going a second mile is the third way. And in verse 42, keeping your stuff is fair. Give the one who who wants to borrow from you. Lending it is, is giving it in, but going farther, not trying to give it back, giving it freely is a third way. And so Jesus here is offering this third way. He's offering an active way. And it does more than just offer another path. It actually has the effect of exposing the injustice. 
to live this way like Jesus did it, it requires incredible grace. But it also requires more than that. It requires courage and action. And not that knee-jerk reaction that we always have, but something that requires us to think, to seek, and to be humble. Remember what I said. This, This isn't about the law, and it's not about the courts. It's about our relationships. Because really, in our profoundly broken world, there are many times, large and small, where there's a stop that needs to be put to things where the cycle needs to be broken. You know, we look at a situation like the war I talked about in Ukraine, and most of us kind of know in our gut that the only way that stops at some point, just as similar wars in the past have been stopped, is by some kind of force. But we also know that even though that might be necessary at times, it doesn't unbreak the brokenness of our world. And we instinctively know that. It's complicated. You know, justice might stop the effects. Giving in, if we were to do that, it might allow us to avoid it a while, but none of it changes it. A few weeks ago in our time together, Jesus talked about how he didn't come to replace the law, but to fulfill it. And in fact, if anyone tries to do away with the law, they're the least in the kingdom of heaven. So there is a place and a time for what the law says. But when it comes to us and when it comes to other people, I believe Jesus is showing us something different. Here's how another one of the Bible writers in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he put it when he was speaking to the early church, and by extension, he's speaking to us. And Paul had a very interesting life because if you look at his past, he had done great evil to other people, but he'd also had it done to him. And so he's been on both sides of the equation, and he challenges these early Christians. He says, as you show the world what God is like, as your act of worship, and this is in Romans chapter 12 and verse 17, to 21. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. That would be justice, right? If they do evil to you, you get back what was taken from you. You balance things out and you you get what you deserve out of the situation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what was right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Not how much it depends on the other people and what they do or what they don't do, but as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And so there's this idea that when we don't do it, we're trusting that justice will one day be served by God in the situations where it needs to be served. We're not the ones who do it, it, but because we're under the hand of God, we're citizens of his kingdom, we trust in the king to do what is right. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by evil, or do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so when we live this way, it actually points to the injustice. It does more than just show a third way of Jesus. It actually calls out some of the things in our world for what they are. And truly, when I I read these words and when you read these words, this is incredibly hard and it doesn't really seem very fair. And let's be honest, the only way I can do this the only way you can do this is if our lives are rooted in something that transcends this back and forth, balance, unbalanced, scale tipping in either direction way of life. Because living in grace, living in this third way of Jesus, it's not natural. Justice is natural. 
or avoiding the situation and just being passive is natural. We need something supernatural if we're going to operate in it. Our strength, it needs to be rooted in God's supply and our core identity, our citizenship, needs to be rooted not in where the balance scale is, but in the kingdom of heaven. Because the things that Jesus uses as examples, they're, they're these personally degrading things. If you slap someone in the face to this day, that's an intolerable insult. Losing your garment was, was just embarrassing. And at the time, it was this huge cost. And being conscripted to carry a soldier's gear around, it was personally degrading. The only way his followers at that time and the only way you and I can live in that way is if we understand that our citizenship isn't in that moment. It's not in those situations. Our citizenship is grounded in heaven and our identity and our worth and our value is found there and it's secure because that's the kingdom of God. We can only truly do this if we believe that God gets the final word, that God is giving us the strength, the power, and the grace to live this way. And it's the only way that the cycle is broken. Martin Luther King, the great reformer, uh, wrote about this. And this is a short piece of a much longer thought. And it's a, 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 a saying that's familiar to many of us. But he says this, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Just like the Apostle Paul said, you cannot repay evil for evil and expect anything to change. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So as we close today, and this is a difficult passage. This is a difficult matter. It's difficult in the big things of our world. It's difficult in the smaller things of our lives, but the things that seem so big to you and I. Where might Jesus be inviting you in your life to a third way? Where might he be inviting you beyond seeking justice, trying to balance things out, get the scale, get back what was taken from you. Or just maybe there's a place you're avoiding the whole thing together. Where might he be asking you to move beyond those options, A or B, to a better option, a third way? And something that calls us to a higher place, but also shows the world around us a different way to live. As we pray together, my prayer is that God will show you in your relationships, in your life, maybe in something you've been holding on to or a situation that you're facing or something that's in your past that you've just, you've left it where it is and you've moved on, but it's never really been dealt with and never really been settled. Where might Jesus be calling you to a third way? Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you show us a different way to live. We do look at our news feeds and we do look at the world around us and we even look at our lives and we, we know that A and B just don't seem like they're working. The two alternatives that seem like they're always offered don't work. We need something more. We need something different. We need a third way. I pray for how this impacts each one of us. We see all the places in the world where this affects so many. But would you make it personal, just like Jesus did in our relationships, in the everyday people and everyday situations that we encounter? Show us a place where we can show a different way, where we can go beyond the legal standard, where we can go the extra mile, where we can turn the other cheek, but not in a way of just giving up or giving in, but in a way of showing the grace of God at work in our lives. 
And we know that as we do that, as difficult as it is, we don't do it on our own. We do it with your strength. We do it with your power, with your spirit at work in our lives and our hearts. We do it with our feet firmly planted as our identities, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Would you give us the grace to walk in this direction? Give us the strength when we need it and the clarity to know the places where we need to move in this direction. I pray for strength and for encouragement for my friends as we walk out a new way to be in our world and in our lives. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I'm so glad you joined us today. Have a great week, and we'll see you very soon. Thanks for listening today. To connect with us further, you can visit our website at lhcnj.net. We're on social media at LHCNJ, and we'll be back next week with another sermon. Until then, have a great week, and God bless.